Two brothers, when united, form the Disney Majors, fighting the powers of evil with their mouths. Here's your hosts, Jake and Eli Hollingsworth. Hello everyone, I'm Eli Hollingsworth and I'm joined by my brother and co-host Jake Hollingsworth. And hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. And today is another Wednesday. And I think we might as well just switch the schedule to Wednesdays and Saturdays. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um... What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, so we have some two trailers. trailers that dropped. Yes, we have some trailers to talk about today because yesterday we'll go in chronological order when they were. Both are kind of boring, to be honest. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, so one was underwhelming. Yeah. And boring, and the other well, not boring. No, one was underwhelming and cool at the same time. The other was boring. Yeah. So okay. So let's talk about so chronologically the first trailer that dropped that we need to talk about that we have the yet. book of Boba Fett. Is the book of Boba Fett. Yes. Um. So obviously I've been very excited for this because as I've stated on the podcast before, sorry, I am a huge fan of Boba Fett. He is my favorite Star Wars character. Um. And so I've been very excited for this project ever since it was announced in 2020. 2020. 2020? Seriously? Correct. At the end of Mandalorian Season 2. So that was December? Yes. Oh, yeah. So... They didn't do it at Investor's Day. They wanted to keep it a secret. Yeah, so the Book of Boba Fett. Whoops. I've also been looking forward to the Book of Boba Fett as well, mainly because of the prospect of seeing, well, one, seeing Boba Fett finally in his, and take center stage for once. And the other reason is because of, like, all the people who could possibly show up in it. One person in particular, who I'm sure Eli can guess. But yes, I am Dan also... Jaren. No. Um, not even close. Grogu. No. Oh yeah, Cad Bane. Yeah, Cad Bane, let's go. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so I've also been looking forward to it, but I was also, also I was really excited when I heard that the trailer dropped yesterday, and honestly, it was a little underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, so, there wasn't really much in it, it was just kind of like... I heard that, I heard that the trailer, so I saw that the trailer dropped, but I couldn't watch it because I was busy, so I had to wait for like the whole day. Um, and so I was like, I was like, oh yes, they dropped the Book of Boba Fett trailer, and we got a new poster, so I was like so excited the whole day, I was like, yes, 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 finally. And then, um, uh, I finally got around to watching the trailer yesterday, and Jake was sitting right next to me, but he didn't want to see the trailer. He's like, no, I don't want to see the trailer yet. Oh, you're tired, okay? I was yeah, ready okay, to go so home. I, so I watched it, and Jake was sitting right next to me, and then- I was listening, though. <laughs> And literally, like, I didn't make any, like, noises whatsoever. Like, I was, I never, I noticed that. I was like, oh. I just watched it, and then I was just like, and okay. um, so there was no, like, I wasn't like, oh, oh, I was like, yes, because there was no mic drop moment of this trailer. There was no huge, like, yes, I'm so hyped for this. The Mandalorian season two trailer was way more interesting than this one. If you've been keeping up with this podcast, which, if you haven't, then I, I, I question your sanity, but if you've been keeping up with this podcast, then the Book of Boba Fett trailer basically just confirmed everything that we already know. Like, <laughs> all the stuff that we've Who's been talking podcast? about. Oh, this podcast. Yes. Well, I, I said this podcast. I thought, you said who, I thought you said his podcast. Oh. <laughs> if you've been keeping up with like, his... Get, I was about to be like, who are you referring to? Maria okay. Morrison podcast. Life of an Australian. No, wait. We should have him on. No, that's a We should. Tamaria Morrison. He's old. He's got nothing. I mean, he's advanced in age. He has nothing... 
better to do? Well, he's shooting Aquaman right now, so that could be He's in Aquaman too? Yeah, is he's he still alive? He didn't die in that movie? Uh, he's in Mandalorian season two. Which no, I mean in the Aquaman. Years I mean, after Aquaman. I mean in the Aquaman universe, not in real life. Yes. I don't think that he died in real he life. He is alive. Wow. Okay. <sighs> Do you see who I live with? The people. Do you see yeah, how I, I struggle? How I struggle. I realize how rude that came across. Now I apologize. Yeah. For Morrison. I wish you the best in in your. If he listens to this, this is your fault. I don't understand. Okay. He, here's what I don't understand. I don't understand why celebrities are so embarrassed about how old they are. Like, whenever you ask a celebrity, like, how old are you? They're just like, oh, uh, they're either, like, dodge the question or say, like, or, like, make a joke or something. And I'm like, why, why would you be embarrassed about being old? It means you're fortunate enough to live for, like, multiple decades. Like, why would you be embarrassed about that? Like, most, most people don't even uh, make it, like, past the age of 30. Like... So, I don't understand why people. Oh boy. Oh, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so old. I'm like, well, good for you. You were fortunate enough to live this long. Be thankful. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a celebrity. Dude, people thing. are sensitive about it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Don't tell me you won't be sensitive about it in the future. No, I won't, because I'll be very thankful that I was fortunate enough to live. We'll for see. As long as I am. We'll see. Okay. First of all, I will hold myself to this so that I don't. No, have to you will not. And second of all, you're gonna completely forget about this. By the time I'm older, I will, and you will, and you will too. So there we go. No point in saying anything about it then. I never um, made any. I never made any big deal about it. I'm just saying you're gonna forget about it. Anyway, Book of Boba Fett trailer. Okay, point of that story is Smear Morrison is still alive. Eli, do not insult him. I was meaning in the Aquaman movies. <sighs> All right, Boba Fett trailer. Um. What was I saying? Uh, yes, it was kind of underwhelming because it, it feels like it feels like it was just all footage from episode one. Or like something. if that's from episode one, I'm gonna be like, well, you know, at the same time, that could be interesting. Is like if that is all from episode one, and maybe even two, then that can be like, ooh, then that can mean like we don't know what the other episodes are gonna be like. And some people are. That's thinking... what they did for Mandalorian season two. They showed footage from like, the first four episodes, and then for like the other for like the last four, we kind of went in blind. Yeah, that's what some people were thinking. Some people were thinking that the voice. Uh, that we hear in the trailer is the voice of Mando. No. Well, I don't like. There's one specific voice at the beginning of the trailer that people. I heard someone at least thought it was the voice of Mando. So, um, here, wait. I want to hear. We'll play it for you guys right here, and everybody can leave us your thoughts in the uh, discussion tab or the discussion section of this podcast. Which I mean, we'll have to see here. Hold on. Let's let's see. The stop motion sand crab is also a nice touch. Yeah. I am not a bounty hunter. No, that's that's Boba. Boba Fett. Hang on. I've heard otherwise. Eh. No, that's not Mando. I've heard otherwise. Well, I can understand why people would think that's Mando's voice because and I, don't, I don't think we touched on this, but earlier in the year, back in like. That's not no, Mando. that's not Mando. I've heard like at the beginning of the year that apparently Pedro Pascal actually shot scenes for Book of Boba Fett like earlier in the year. Apparently. Really? Yeah, I remember hearing about that like like earlier in the year. So it's very possible that he could be in it. It makes sense. It's just we don't know where he's going to be. And also, apparently the Book of Boba Fett will have nine episodes as opposed to Mandalorian's typical eight episodes mm. structure. Yes. 
Which is better because Boba Fett is better and therefore Boba Whoa. Fett deserves more episodes. I don't episodes. know, I kind of like the Jordan better. I could see him in. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just because you don't have the same high regard for Boba Fett. I do like Boba Fett a lot. Okay, Mandalorian made me like him a lot yeah, more. Yeah, but you don't like him as much as I do. No, but Mandalorian made, me, Mandalorian made me like him a lot more. Yeah, I think that's the case with a lot of people. I don't know. No, and for the casual fans, maybe. And I can't, yeah, probably the casual fans. I mean, I don't know, it gave Boba Fett a little bit more backstory is what I'm saying, because a lot of people thought he was just dumb because he just stood in the back with a cool costume, so a lot of that, that was, people say they didn't have very much character, and then some people, I think some people would think that they ruined him by making him a clone, right? Uh, or some people thought it was dumb or something? I think so. So, I think definitely the Mandalorian made people like him a little bit better, uh, like most people, everyone. Um... And it just came Well, out. I also think people liked um, the Clone Wars arc that they did, where he was trying to kill Mace Windu. I think a lot of people thought he was improved with improved by that, also. Oh, really? Yeah, like that one... Those episodes in Clone yeah, Wars yeah, yeah, where... Yeah, yeah, if, you, yeah. if, if you have watched Star Wars The Clone Wars, which you should go watch it, um, it's, like that, it's like that one episode series where he's trying to kill Mace Windu to get to avenge his father's death. A lot of people thought he was improved by that. Oh, and apparently that spider thing in the beginning... Um, it's stop motion, totally. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I know. So apparently, it's like um, that's something from the expand, extent. What is it? Expanded or extended? Universe? Extended. Extended universe. That's something from the. Those were Return of the Jedi, dude. Yeah, I know, but it's it's something that in the extended universe, apparently. Um, so I think this was recon, but in the extended universe, it sucked out Bib Fortuna's brain and like held it, and you can see that it's holding a brain in that red tube thing. Because uh, that's what those spiders do. They like suck up people's brains or something. Apparently in the extended universe. Oh, uh, it's extended universe. I think talking about real life. I was like, what? No. no. It's a mechanical spider. They don't exist in real life. That's true. So, so like, apparently the the that actually is like Bib Fortuna's fate in the uh, extended universe. Is that it sucks out his brain. And then... Well, that was retconned. Because yeah, we know how obviously. Bib Fortuna actually died. So... The, uh, I think it's Recon, but it's nice that they put a little reference to Bib Fortuna's death in the uh, extended universe. Also, for those who don't know what Recon means, basically, like if books establish something that actually happens on the on a timeline of a movie, then if like so, here's how it works. So, like for example, say um, Darth, so everyone knows that Darth Vader dies in Return of the Jedi. So let's say that there's a book that comes out that actually takes place on the Star Wars timeline that shows him surviving. Mm. So that would be that's what's called a Recon, where you undo what. Decisions that were made in past projects. And they just don't explain it at all. They're just like, oh yeah, it always happens this way. Um, Time travel is the most common use of retconning. Like, let's just say that Anakin in the extended universe, um, uh, in between episodes two and three, he got a giant tattoo on the side of his neck. Um, and then in the movies, obviously he doesn't have a tattoo. So that'd be a retcon, like, oh, that didn't really happen. And let's say there's a story behind that. Like, he goes to the Darth Maul Dathomir place, and then he joins the Knight Sisters and calls himself the Knight Brother, and then he starts learning their ways. Well, when he hit me join the Knight Brothers clan? There's a, there's a separate Knight Brothers clan? Yeah. Did you okay. not watch Clone Wars? I did, I just forgot it probably so he joins the night brothers then well, i watched all of it i caught up on i binged all of it i, I know i've seen all of it before you have um so he joins the night brothers um yeah. what what season was that from that, that was four. Oh, 
I would say that I blocked it out of my memory, but I didn't because four was good. Anyway, um, so he joins the Night Brothers. That's is Savage a Night Brother? Yes. Okay. Anyway, he's a Night. He joins the Night Brothers, and then um, he starts learning their ways, and then he gets a uh, Night Brothers tattoo on his face. And then in movies, he doesn't have that, and he never mentions being a part of the Knight Brothers. So that would be a retcon, basically. That was a really long way to explain that, but... That turned it more complicated. Okay, and also, like, whenever we say something is canon, that means, like, it actually happened, like, within the context of that movie. So, for example, yeah. Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels are both canon to the Star Wars movie timelines, which they actually happened. Despite them being animated, they actually happened within the context of the, of the Star Wars timeline. Yes. Which, by the way... Can can we just point out the fact that I just made all of that up on the fly? Yes, a obviously. Whole story, a whole story where Anakin joins the Knight Brothers and then gets a tattoo on his face. Pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so both of that trailer still still exciting, but trailer was disappointing. So not not judging the trailer like shot for shot. Um, yeah, it's just seen. It's just confirmation of stuff we already know. It's also, both that looks a lot skinnier. I've noticed. If you can put if you put him side by side with Mandalorian season two, he looks a little bit skinnier. I mean, yeah, because that's what people were saying. People were actually calling him, and I thought this was kind of mean. This is coming from the guy that just called Tamir Morrison old. But anyway, um, so people were calling Boba Fett Boba Fat apparently in the episode six of season two of The Mandalorian <clears throat> because they were thinking that Boba Fett was fatter than he was before, and I'm like, well, okay, obviously it's a different person playing him actually in the costume than it was in the 80s, so, or 80s, yeah, 80s, um, and the 70s, right, because, and the digital remaster of A New Hope that they added Boba Fett into, well, no, well, that was still the same physical actor, so, uh, he, he that guy was obviously a lot skinnier, so people were calling him Boba Fat in The Mandalorian, which I still think is a little mean, um, and I don't think he looks any different, necessarily, in the book of Boba Fett. Um, I still am happy that, I mean, Tamir Morrison is, is doing these stunts in, in his advanced years He's of age. He's 60! Yeah, like, I mean, that that's pretty impressive. Like, uh, it's, even in it with, like, we saw in The Mandalorian. Like, him doing all those stunts, like, I'm like, that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's yeah, that's pretty impressive that he's doing that in his... 60, right? 66, I think. Yeah, 60... It's, Almost 70! <laughs> like, that's pretty impressive that he's still doing this. Uh, obviously, he doesn't do all of them. Um, we don't want him to to have to get a hip replacement. But, um, so, he doesn't do all of them, but still, the, the amount that he still does is pretty impressive. Like, like that's, that's where you want to be. That's like a cool old guy. Like, he's like old and cool. Like, he's like a... Oh, yeah, he's, he's just like a cool guy. He's like Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is old, but he's cool. Exactly. Like, there's some people that, when they get old, they're, like, not very cool. And they're just, cranky. like... Yeah, they're just, like, meh. And then they, like, get, like, all, like, scrunched up and... No offense! And, like, the yeah, they get old, so... But there's some people that can pull it off and be cool, like Harrison Ford and Tamir Morrison. Uh, Paul Rudd is... I'm gonna try and follow in Harrison Ford's footsteps. Paul I'm Rudd. Old. Which, in the new Ghostbusters, Paul Rudd finally looks like his age. His and age now is, he doesn't anymore. Yeah, he's... I gotta say, like, where where is his fountain of youth that he keeps at his house? He ages, he keeps himself younger, then he ages in the Ghostbusters, and now he's back to his other. Yeah, like, so he's, like he's, it's like 50. It's mind-blowing. Um, so there's some people that can be, like, really old and cool, but then there's other people that are not. Main point of this episode, old people. <laughs> mm. 
Um, no. Okay, let's talk about the Morbius trailer before this gets too offhand. Okay, so both that trailer is so exciting, but trailer is underwhelming. All right, Morbius trailer. This is the one that was boring. So, well, so both of them were kind of. Boring. While we're anxiously waiting for the next Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Oh wait, so actually, hold your hold. So let me clarify real quick. We are still very excited for the book of Boba Fett. Um, I already said that. Yeah, so just I'm just making sure that people don't eh, you don't like the book of Boba Fett. I'm still uh, extremely excited for the book of Boba Fett. Just the trailer didn't raise my expect or didn't raise the hype at all. They didn't raise the hype, but it didn't really dampen the hype. No, it didn't. It, um, it's not any less excited for the book. Of I'm Boba still, yeah, I'm still just as excited for it as it was before. I'm still very excited. Just the trailer didn't like change anything. Just show me Cad Bane not be happy. Yeah, there was no yeah again there was no big mic drop moment. There was no like at the end it wasn't like. Luke Skywalker came up and said, HALT, FIEND! And then we were Oh, please, who am I kidding? Catman's gonna be saved for the actual episode he's in. Yeah, probably. And so, like, Luke Skywalker... Are they gonna... You think they're gonna drop more trailers for the Book of Boba Fett? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, like, when they get... When they decide to actually start marketing it, yeah. then they will. So... Alright. Uh, but, so... Like, it didn't... Just so you know, guys, I am still very... We're still very excited for the Book of Boba Fett. Just, the trailer didn't change that at all. Um, so just making sure. So, anyway, Morbius trailer, Jake. Okay, so while we're anxiously waiting for No Way Home Trailer 2, and while Marvel and Sony are apparently having arguments over whether or not they should include Toby and Andrew in the second trailer, which is why we haven't gotten it. Um, sorry, that was sounded sarcastic, I'm sorry. So while we're waiting for, okay, point of story, while we're waiting for the No Way Home Trailer, Sony decided to drop the Morbius trailer instead, which I question why they thought that would get people excited. Because I think the reason was they wanted to ride off the No Way Home hype by dropping the Morbius trailer, which I question why they did that. Yeah, which... So, yeah, Sony... It's like, Sony, no one cares about Morbius. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's like, Sony sat in their office and they went, hmm, Spider-Man No Way Home comes out in, what, a month? A month. A month? People are super excited for it. It's the most viewed first trailer in the world. And we have Morbius. That's coming out in, what, three or four months? January. Uh, yeah, three, two months? Um... And nobody's really excited for it. Because um, you dropped one trailer. Need, both need a second trailer. Which one should we drop? Oh, obvious choice, Morbius. Um, no one. Okay, now just say no. I do. I do know who Morbius is. Just say no because I watched the '90s Spider-Man cartoon and I had Morbius in it. So that's where I. Yeah. So our knowledge Morbius. of Marvel comics, most of the time, 99% of the time, does not come from the actual comics themselves, but from. Um, Marvel cartoons, <laughs> and I've researched a lot, so I've known. If you didn't know, a few stories. that's where ninety percent of our Marvel knowledge comes from is the Marvel cartoons. Of course, we also do. Also, I do. I do some. Re I've done. I've done a lot of lot of research from now from every now and yes. then. We do have more, a lot more knowledge outside of the Marvel comics, but that's where most of them for these like basic characters um, that are like essential to Marvel and that everybody knows about, like. Or not everyone, but uh, most people who are Marvel fans should know about, like, Morbius or... Like, some of the more, quote-unquote, obscure characters that probably today's audience don't know about as much. This is absurd. Because they haven't been in a Marvel movie. Because um, everyone just bases their knowledge. Like, I feel bad for today's generation because they're going to grow up thinking that Venom is an anti-hero. But Venom's, re Venom's really a bad guy. Yeah, I'm like... Oh my goodness. Like... 
like, no! It's the not Venom symbiote is supposed to feed off of anger, but in the Venom movie, it doesn't really do that. Yeah, the Venom symbiote feeds off of negative emotions, and the reason why it bonds to Eddie Brock is because Eddie Brock is angry. He doesn't seem angry. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen the first Venom, but maybe he's angry in that one, but still, he doesn't seem no, angry. He's, he's not. He doesn't seem angry in Venom Let There Be Carnage, and like, we did see that. Literally, the reason why it goes away from Peter Parker is because he manages his negative emotions and sends the symbiote away. And then uh, bonds with Eddie Brock, who just has this like mutual hatred for Peter Parker, or well, and, yeah, and for life. <laughs> um, and so Eddie Brock's like really mad all the time. So it it partners with Eddie Brock, and there's like that's why they become together. And then they're like, yeah, Venom used to dance around and do stuff. And then and he's like, oh, I want to fight bad guys. And it's like nobody cares because all people want to see is a true villain. Actually, apparently they don't. Everyone wants to have the villains be relatable. No, they have a tragic backstory. We have to care more right. about them. And so, like, and same thing with Morbius from this trailer. Like Morbius, okay, yeah, Morbius is now gonna be a good guy. Well, so they changed his origins. Be... Okay, so let's point this yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they changed again. They did. They did what they did with Venom because in the actual comics, the alien symbiote goes to Peter Parker, then it leaves him, then it goes to Eddie Brock and becomes, and that's how Venom is born. But in, yeah. in the movie, they did that because Spider-Man's in the MCU, so they just ignore the Spider-Man connection. And it's aliens to be like straight to Venom. And so Morbius did the same thing, because in the comics, um, Michael Morbius takes some of Spider-Man's blood and gets bitten by a vampire bat. Yeah. And then that's how he becomes Morbius, in the comics anyway. Yeah. But here, they change it, because they don't have access to Spider-Man at the moment. And so what they did was they... I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing with the movie, but it looks like he cuts his hand and the vampire bats Yeah, it's like, oh, here, let me cut my hand. Maybe they'll explain it in the movie, but still, that's what that's what they're doing. It's just a dumb thing to do. Okay, which, well, is, well, which is the problem with our Spider-Man universe. They're trying to spin off all these characters, but you need Spider-Man <laughs> for literally yeah. all of these characters yes. they're trying to spin off. And <laughs> they can't funny. do it. It's funny. It's like, they're like, okay, let's make our own Spider-Man universe just without Spider-Man. It's like... Half of these villain Georgians are tied to Spider-Man. You can't do that. Like, literally all of them are tied to Spider-Man. Well, some of them they can get away with. Black Cat they could get away with. Craven, yeah. I guess, they could get away with. But even Maybe. then, the Craven the Hunter movie said the feature Spider-Man. So I'm just like, you're shooting yourselves in the foot, Sony. It's literally, yeah, they're like, all right, we're Sony. We have Marvel characters. We don't want to let them go because they're the only thing that makes us money. So, yeah. Oh, I heard, I saw someone, saw, I saw someone say this the other day, and I was like, yes, that's the perfect quote to use here. And someone said, if you're nothing without Spider-Man, then you shouldn't have him. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, because they're literally, Sony is nothing without Spider-Man. Yeah, they don't, if Sony didn't own Spider-Man, Sony would be dead. Other than PlayStation consoles, they'd be dead. Exactly. And what's the best-selling PlayStation game? Spider-Man! Spider-Man! Ah! Spider-Man, yep. So literally, it's like, so they're like, hey, we have all these Marvel characters. That if we don't have, then we're gonna go bankrupt. If we don't use them every five years, then we'll lose them. Exactly. And if they lose that's them, the deal, if they don't make a Spider-Man movie every five years, then they lose them, and Marvel gets them back. Yeah, exactly. Which I, I just, I pray every day that they would make a that they would Spider-Man would get delayed for five years. Although I don't want that, but um, so anyway, or just not make a Spider-Man movie for five years. So like, hey, let we have these Marvel Spider-Man characters, and uh, Spider-Man's in the MCU, and literally Tom Holland is like the Spider-Man that everybody adores for whatever reason, and then uh, he's amazing. Yeah, he is. Pun intended. He is good. Um, and so they're like, oh, okay. Well, we can't reboot him, otherwise everyone would get mad. So well, duh. Let's just make our own Sony universe, 
and then put these characters in here and not have it tied to the MCU. And so we'll just make Spider-Man origin stories without Spider-Man. It's like, it's like, that doesn't, like, you can't do that. That doesn't work. You need Spider-Man. Like, literally half of these, like, half if not all these villains have, like, have Spider-Man, have Spider-Man tied to them. That's some like, of them they can like, bend. Some of them they can get away with. Black Cat, I will give them Black Cat. They can get away with not doing Black Cat. That's literally like if you try to do Batman's origin story, like, and you made it without the person that killed his parents. It's like, or just made it without his parents in general. Well, I mean, I thought about that, but like, it's like, he kind of does. Anyway, so it's like, it's like if you didn't have his parents die and then made a Batman origin story. It's like, you can't do that. It's the most essential part. Like, they're like, oh, let's make Spider-Man villain origin stories. I'm telling Spider-Man. you right now, if they make a Shocker movie, I'm going to laugh. Like, right. what's what Shockers? I've seen like 15 billion Shocker origin stories. What is the original one? Herman Schultz. I know, but like, the I know. origin story. He was a he was a bank robber who just found who got captured by Spider-Man, put in prison, and then developed shockwaves and broke, broke out of prison. And yeah. in the Shocker. Yeah. And he was in Homecoming. Also, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. So they can't do it. Well, well, they can't do Shocker actually. So what happened to him again? He just got put in prison. Yeah, he's in prison. I guess. Oh yeah. Also, they're trying so hard. Like, I feel bad for the Morbius movie because, well, one positive. I just want to say real quick. One positive about the Morbius trailer is that Jared Leto looks like a pretty. He looks like a pretty good Morbius. I will give, I will give him that. He looks like a pretty good Morbius. And also, it's well, nice no, to not hear having to hear Morbius say, "I hunger for plasma." If you don't know, in yeah. the '90s Spider-Man cartoon, he would always they weren't they had so many limitations. A lot of them were super dumb. One of them was they weren't because when they had to do Morbius, they weren't allowed to say blood because this was a '90s kids cartoon. So what they did was they had him hunger for plasma because they can't have him say plasma. Yeah, so I've kind of been soured on the Morbius character in general because um, in the 90s cartoon, he was one of the most annoying characters in the entire thing. Not just because literally half of his lines are just probably involved the word plasma. Um, and that was incredibly annoying. Second of all, the voice was getting on my nerves like he's supposed to be like this creepy vampire person like, i hunger for plasma like, like what are you on helium or something um he's so, like I'm, i hunger for plasma that's yeah not, he sounds um, like, that's not on helium he sounds like a monk or something um so that was also annoying but the other thing was they kept bringing him back they brought him, like, they did it like dude they brought they did it for five episodes that's just all they did. yeah but then he like came back again or in well, season four then he come back what he was like introduced and then he came back later. He was just a normal human, and then like and then like for for like an episode like called actually called the Living Vampire, is like he became it's like he would have became Morbius and then. Okay. Five episodes. Well, maybe I was just thinking of. The... And then he came back in season four. Yeah. Exactly. He was first introduced in season two, so chillax. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, the episodes that he was in, it felt like he was in there for like the whole rest of the show because he was, like, I don't know. Just those five episodes are probably my least favorite. Episodes of the entire. You just didn't story. like season two as a whole. You didn't like the new, the neogenic Neo, neogenic storyline. I didn't like that, um, but I just mostly didn't like Morbius. Like, it, go it watch the Spider-Man '90s cartoon if you haven't watched it. It's really good. Like he's, it, it was just kind of annoying. Classic. I was like, um, but that. So the, so I've kind of been soured on the character. But Morbius, uh, Jared Leto actually looks like a pretty great actor. Like he. Judging, the only other thing I've seen Jared Leto in is Suicide Squad uh, from 2016. 
So in this movie though, he looks like a completely different character. Um, and that's the sign of a great actor in my opinion. No, his hair's not great. He doesn't have light skin. Yeah, but like, pale. just the acting and the whole, like, character in general. Uh, at least from this first Well, trailer. I did hear a little bit. Well, then, I yeah, know he's just using a normal voice, but still, I did hear a little bit of Joker in his voice. So I was just like, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, oh, he's Joker. Yeah, so, um, and that's just, in my opinion, the sign of a great actor is when you can play, like, tons of different, completely different roles and, uh, like, almost be completely unrecognizable. Unlike Tom Holland, who just plays the exact same character every movie that he's in. Um, well, I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen Cherry. He's trying, dude. Or Chaos Walking. Which, again, in Uncharted, he literally looks exactly like Peter Parker. And he acts exactly like Peter Parker. And he sounds exactly like Peter Parker. Okay, and then I'll play, I will agree that Jerry Leto does look like a really good Morbius. I'm sure they will have those limitations. I'm sure he will say blood. For yeah, one thing. well, duh. It already looks like... I don't know if it's even going to be rated PG-13. I think it is. It is? Yeah, as it said at the end of the trailer. Horizon! Horizon is in this movie. Oh, no way. Oscorp's better. They have, um, uh, is it, I was about to say Horizon High, but no. No. I must block That's it out of my thing. mind. That's not a thing. It's not a thing. Horizon University? No, it's just Horizon. It's an Enterprise. Oh, it's an Enterprise? Yeah, it's a, it's a Spider-Man Enterprise from the comics called Wait, Horizon are they both Labs. in the, They're not in the same shot, okay. Yes, no, they're not. So they also right. have Horizon in here, so... Well, my, 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 my big complaint with the first Morbius trailer was that we didn't get to see enough of, like, Morbius actually, like, as a vampire. But then yeah. here in the second trailer, we actually got to see that, and that made me happy. But yeah. still, the whole trailer was boring, because they were also... Because Sony was also being Sony and relying on the shared universe aspects more than oh, the actual yeah. story itself. And... Clearly, yeah, which, they mean, haven't learned their lesson from the Andrew Garfield which, days. Which, I mean, I feel bad for the, um, I feel bad for the Morbius fans out there. If there are any. I don't know if there are. I I'm sure really there are. I studied this part of the, um, uh, fandom, but, uh, for any Morbius fans out there, I feel kind of bad because if this is, like, people's favorite character, like, ooh, Morbius is so cool and interesting and, and, like, he's a vampire and, like, in this movie, it looks like it's only being marketed to hype up the Spider-Man multiverse stuff. And just like, hey, here's Morbius. But also look, ooh, look over here. There's these cool Easter eggs. Oscorp, Horizon. And then, of course, Venom Easter eggs. Yeah, Venom references. He's a, yeah, of course they have to put that in there. Blech. I feel like that's Sony's favorite character is Venom, honestly. Honestly, it I is. feel like Sony's It is! is it is Venom. their favorite character. Their favorite characters are Venom and Gwen Stacy. Exactly, because like in Spider-Man 3, um, Sean's... Sean's um, Sam Raimi just wanted to use Sandman, well, Sandman as the, as the villain with Harry Osborn's side story. He did not want to use Venom because he didn't understand Venom all that well. But yeah. then, when, but then Sony said that they wanted to, that he, they wanted to do that, he had to raise the stakes and add in everyone's favorite character. So they added in, so they forced him to add in Venom to Spider-Man 3. And they also forced him to add in Gwen Stacy. Because of, because of popularity, because everyone yeah. loves Venom and everyone loves Gwen Stacy. Yeah, so, so I mean, them to you can just tell that Venom is like Sony's favorite Spider-Man character. Because they forced him in Spider-Man Three, and then they wanted to use him in the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. Yeah. What so, they wanted to do was they wanted to cameo Eddie Brock in the Amazing Spider-Man Three and spin him off into a Venom movie. Yeah. So I mean, Venom is. I am just really annoyed with the Sony Venom, um, the 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 Tom Hardy Venom. Which, by the way, nothing against Tom Hardy, uh, Venom. He, I, Tom Hardy is, is fine. Um, I don't have anything, I don't hold anything against him. It's mostly just, like, Sony, I guess. Because Venom is, like, just the more I think about, um, Sony's current version of Venom, the Tom Hardy Venom, the more I dislike it. Because 
It's just, uh, the whole, like, uh, and the more I think about Venom Let There Be Carnage, the more I dislike the movie, I dislike the movie more and more every time that I start thinking about it, because just the whole Venom vibe is just so wrong to me as a comics, like, fan. It's, it's, I don't know, it's a weird feeling. I've never felt this before, because Marvel does it comics accurate, because Marvel actually does things right. But yeah. with Sony, it's like, I just don't like it because it's not it's not like it's not venom it's like an imposter they're like hi i'm i'm Ven he doesn't even say we are well he did in the first movie actually right yeah he did say we but then throughout the whole second movie venom about the carnage literally the main thing from the symbiotes in the comics like the defining trait is that they always refer to themselves as we because they're bonded with their host so the eddie brock even, we. even talking normally would just be like we don't like that um, and the, like, because they're bonded, symbiote is not just something from Marvel, it's actually a word used to describe two things being bonded together. So, Eddie Brock would always say, we, he doesn't even say we in the movies, he just says, I, I, I'm Eddie Brock. <laughs> and so, I just don't really like the Sony-verse, and it seems like they're doing the same thing with Morbius. He's a villain, but now they're making him an anti-hero, because if you look in the trailer, at the end, he's stopping a guy who is, seems to be printing fake money or something. Um, well, apparently he joins this group called the Midnight Suns, so I guess that's kind of comics accurate. Oh, he joins the Midnight Suns in this movie? No. I don't mean this movie. I mean, like, in the comics, he joins this group called the Midnight Suns. So I guess it's fine. Yeah, well, the Mid oh, the Midnight Suns is... Oh, yeah, because Blade's there. Yeah. And is Ghost Rider on there, too? Go no, I don't think Ghost Rider. I know that Moon Knight is. I forgot who else. I think I might be thinking of something different. I think Doctor Strange, Moon Knight Suns? I think so. Yeah, it's right. like, I don't know. The Midnight Suns is pretty... So they're a hero team. Yeah. I guess eventually, but Morbius should start out as a villain! Ah! Sony keeps making them anti-heroes, and it's like... Mm. I want to see Blade fight Morbius, honestly. That's what I want to see. It's, it's, it's... Yeah, which, I mean, they probably won't even do that. They'll just... I think they want to, though. Like, I feel kind of bad because Marvel movies... I feel like this is the bad side effect of the multiverse direction that they're going in. I feel bad because, like, all the characters that they haven't explored yet can't just have like a normal movie origin movie like it'll have to be tied to the multiverse somehow like um what's a movie coming the x-men will probably won't be able to have their own movie because multiverse like or blade i don't know if it's just gonna be a blade origin i feel like the last origin movie we got to have that's just an origin movie um without any multiverse shenanigans was what's captain marvel oh yeah. there was Post, it was a post-credit scene teasing it, but it didn't have anything to do with the main movie itself. Well, Eternals also, but that could also be a one and done. Eh, I don't know. Eternals doesn't have and anything Eternals, related. Which, woof, we haven't even talked about Eternals. Um, That'll be another day, for sure. Which, uh, real quick, I just want to say, it, apparently Eternals, and apparently now it is permanently rotten. Uh, so Eternals, if you haven't heard, is the first Marvel movie. Films to be rotten. It's just insane. To be, uh, reviewed as rotten on rotten tomatoes which means that the critics have reviewed it and their scores have been added up and averaged out to be lower than 60% um liked the movie so that's it, i think it's at 57% now actually enjoyed the movie and so it's been rotten it's the first one to be considered rotten on rotten tomatoes so that's a huge thing for Marvel because they were hyping it up to be like their biggest and one of their best movies they ever. Freeze, they delayed this, delay it until this month because they wanted it to be released during Oscar season. Yeah. So. And there, it's failing. This is a huge thing for Marvel, but I am kind of happy because um, 
there's some stuff in the movie that I don't quite agree with. Um, so I will have to wait and see about Eternals. All but right. Morbius. Morbius looks, looks boring. The movie itself looks eh. Um, yeah. Morbius, again, I don't really care for the character. I've never been at all looking forward to this movie. I've just been like, whatever. It's just yeah, Sony it's like, doing more it's this, Sony things. It's another Sony-verse movie, which I don't really like the Sony-verse that much, uh, as we've seen with Venom. So, uh, just like, yeah, it's Morbius, who cares? Um, the character itself, don't really care for it. Jared Leto looks amusing in the role, but not enough to probably... They relied way too much on yeah. the wow factor. Get... Yeah, Jared Leto is not enough to get me to be like, this is a movie that I have to see. And it seems like they're just, the main problem with this movie is just that they're going to be like, ooh, look over here, it's Easter eggs to Spider-Man. And even in the trailer, like, Vulture. They're like, oh, Vulture, look, Vulture. We should keep in contact. Aren't you excited? Aren't you like, wow, it's Vulture, Michael Keaton. Oh my goodness, what does this mean? I'm like, I would be excited, but it just seems like you're doing that to be the only reason to get me excited. And so it's like, I don't, it just kind of cancels out and I'm not really like, wow, anymore. So it seems like a big problem. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, so anyway, that's our thoughts on Morbius and the Book of Boba Fett and Sony's Venomverse and old people and... Uh, uh, leave that old people out. I think I just so, my finger. Thank um, you. Hope you enjoyed this catch up segment on the two trailers that we just released. And so without further ado, let's get talking about our uh, the movie of the week. All right, we're back, and we're ready to talk about the Grace Mouse. We're back. The Grace Mouse Detective. Uh, the Great Mouse Detective. And Who our... is Sherlock Holmes as a mouse? Yes, he is. Um, and... I'm just saying that because people might not know. Yeah, okay. We'll explain it. I'll explain it all, Jake. Don't worry. Because, okay, anyway. Uh, our behind-the-scenes wow. nugget for today is that the... Uh, this is the first Disney feature animated film to involve the use of computer-generated images, or CGI, graphic. Um, and you might be thinking, well, how do they do that? Because this is a hand-drawn animated film, or 2D animated hand-drawn film. Um, so the way they did this is that they would actually, like, 3D animate, kind of, quote-unquote, 3D animate. The um, And this is specifically for the clock tower sequence at the end, where... Basil or Sherlock Holmes or whatever. Detective or whatever, Mouse is what we're calling Or whatever you want to call him. Wakes up inside of the Big Ben and he sees all the gears and stuff. And then there's that fight between him and Radigan and the other uh, little girl. Um, and so this was actually... What they did was, and I just learned this uh, recently. And uh, I thought that was this was interesting. So they were 3D animated on a computer like what you'd see in a Pixar film, kind of. Um where they would 3D animate it on the computer, and then what they would actually do is they would um, have the computer draw it out on paper, um, so then the animators didn't have to animate it, because obviously humans are lazy, and they can't animate things. I was like, about to say, they sound lazy. Because humans <laughs> Were can't... nine old men? Because humans can't animate uh, gears and clock towers and things, uh, because it's too hard for them, so they have to get the computer to do it, and the computer will draw it, so then they can just focus on the character's and um, it does look very good in the movie. I think that the CG definitely holds up very well in this Yeah, movie. it kind of does, I guess. It looks very good. Um, uh, yeah, it definitely holds up. Especially for this is, what, the 80s? Uh, 80s. So 3D animated Something. CG segments. Pretty well done. Um, so yeah, that's our behind the scenes. It's 1987, so I think it's pretty Yeah, good. sometime around that. Um, so yeah. So anyway, let's just get into our thoughts on the actual movie itself. And this movie... Um, I liked, I like this movie more and more every time I watch it. Um, I definitely, uh, 
I, I like this movie. I think it's good, but not great. I mean, I don't think it's the best the the best Disney movie. I don't think it's the most amazing Disney <laughs> movie ever. But I would say that it is pretty decent. Like the pacing is very nice. Uh, it's structured very well. You, uh, we're always we always know what the characters are trying to do at any given moment. Yeah. Um, the characters always have a clear objective that they're trying to do. Um, it's just. It's witty, it's funny, there's nice dialogue and banter between the characters. Um, the characters are very lively and interesting. Radigan as a villain, I think, is one of the great underrated Disney animated villains. Oh, he's he's actually a really good villain, uh, let's say that. Vincent Price, which probably most of you don't even know that's Vincent Price. Actually, come to think of it, most of you probably don't even know who Vincent Price is. Uh, but, like, a lot of people are surprised to hear that's even Vincent Price as Radigan, uh, because he just gets so lost in the role. Um, and completely embodies the character. And um, uh, the Basil of Baker Street, uh, Sherlock Holmes, which has another little interesting tidbit, is that this is based off of a book called The Basil of Baker Street. And that was actually the original title of this movie, but they changed it. Uh, to the but there's a Sherlock character. Holmes reference. Like, they see, like, you see a man's shadow, and you hear yeah. some guy say, Holmes. Like, come yeah. on, Holmes. And yeah, that was Sherlock Holmes' shadow. Yeah, so there's a nice Sherlock Holmes reference, too, which is pretty funny. Um, and the reason, so I was thinking about this too, um, or I was thinking about this. Why, why did they choose to go with like, like, they could, like they couldn't have just done a, uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes story. Like why did I they know. have to make it animals? And the reason was because, uh, the company has been started, it was started with a mouse. Uh, so that's literally the reason because of Mickey Mouse being the kind of the character to start the Walt Disney company. They decided, hey, our company's built on mice, so why don't we just make a Sherlock Holmes story but make it about mice? And that's kind of, I guess that's kind of the Disney twist on things a lot of the times. So, uh, like, or Robin Hood. They This and Robin Hood. This, this, I had the same issue with Robin Hood that I did with this. I would have rather liked to have seen this movie but with humans. I mean, I feel like... Cause it's I, a- I think I've mentioned this a little bit. I don't like the spies. Anymore. There's a lot of Disney movies I think are really good. But when it comes to Disney films, I prefer human movies as opposed to animal movies. Yeah, I do too. But I mean, I think it's still uh, fine that they decided to. And I mean, so this is... And, uh, okay, so actually... So compared to The Black Cauldron... This um, is better. The protagonist is better and doesn't mess everything up. Yeah. the sure, Basil Baker Street, easily one of the best characters in the entire movie. And you might think, well, that's kind of what it's supposed to be. The main character is supposed to be one of the best characters in the movie. A well, that's not always that, the case. Yeah, that's not always the case that the main character is like one of the best characters in the movie. Um, usually, people, a lot of people like the villain better, which some people like. The, a lot of people like the side characters yeah, a lot, better. A lot of people like comedic side characters or stuff like that better than the actual main character. Sometimes the main character can come off as boring, but in this movie, one of the strengths of this movie, and one thing that I think is underappreciated in the film industry is that the main character is actually interesting and lively and one of the best characters in the entire movie. Um, I think that's a really great trait for a movie to have. Great trait. Uh, It's a great Great quality for a movie to have is that the main character is actually interesting. Our Sherlock Holmes is... uh, He's got a funny personality. He's he's very smart, so he picks up on things a lot. Um, And he's just got a distinct personality that is, is very easy to get behind and latch onto. Um, so our main character is very lively. That's a very good thing. The villain is also obviously very good. Radigan is one of... Radigan is also... Yeah, I said, okay, Radigan is one of the best villains in the Z film. Or... Films. 
Sorry. Yeah, I think he's definitely one of the great underrated Disney films. He's not my favorite Disney villain, but he's really good. Like, he's very... Like, he's just funny, and uh, he's got character and personality, and he's just fun to watch on screen. And... I kind of made him, a, made him a rat as opposed to making him a mouse. Yeah, and then he despises being called a rat. It's like the penguin in the Batman. Apparently, he despises being called the penguin. That's what he is. Um, so, no, he's a human. <laughs> I know. Well, he he's, like... he's the penguin... Alter ego. That's what I meant. I didn't mean like he was an actual penguin. <laughs> he kind of is. Um, so uh, a lot of this, a lot of this great character stuff is also helped by the great animation that's in this movie. This animation is is uh, so. To be fair, the Black Cauldron animation is v- very good as well. It's just like more sloppy. Well, I mean, the Black Cauldron. I don't know if actually I'd say the character animation is as good. Uh, but the stylization and the look of the film is pretty good. Really? Uh, and yeah, like it the... looks like a it looks like a direct video movie to me. Honestly, I don't, really? I don't, I don't get, I don't see that. I, I to me, what I see when I look at that movie is direct to is it's direct to video movie quality. Well, I mean, so I think of what I said in the Black Cauldron. Uh, I will agree was... that the animation is better, but well, still. I mean, so what I said in the Black Cauldron was that the Black Cauldron animation is good. It just doesn't look like Disney. Um, and no, this... No, it doesn't really... Uh, the Great Mouse Detective, you can tell that this is a Disney feature animated film. Because, and not so much that it's a Walt Disney era Disney feature animated film, uh, but it's a Disney feature animated film as established by the Renaissance, which we are so close. That's um, so, so next we have Oliver and Company, then we have the Little... Well, Oliver Company is the last one in Disney Dark Age, and then we can... Then we have the Little Mermaid! The Little Mermaid, and then we have the rest of Sun Under, then we have Beauty and the Beast, and then we have Aladdin. Yeah, but not to get too ahead of ourselves. Um, so yeah, Eli, hold it back for a few more episodes. Just hold in. This is definitely a Disney feature animated film. The character animation is lively. It's it's uh it's a uh, what's the word that I'm searching for? Um, jaunty, expressive. You could say yeah, expressive. I guess you could say. Um, it's, it's just very well done. You can definitely tell that this is, the, the animators have found their footing with this movie. Um, I think that also another credit to this movie is the direction. Ron Clements is one of the directors of this movie. Um, and he is one of the directors of famous movie, Disney movies such as The Little Mermaid, Aladdin. Aladdin, uh, I almost said Lion King, but that's not true. Uh, Hercules, although that didn't do as well as the box office. I know that it's a huge cult following now. Treasure Planet, but that bomb, but that also has like a big cult yeah. following. Uh, he also directed- this has a cult following, Great Mouse Detective, although yeah. I can't really get in that group. But He also was one of the directors on Moana. Now the thing with those movies is that the co-director of those movies is named John Musker, and they are kind of like the dynamic duo of Disney that made these classic films and like are like they've directed the most. They're the or the direct the directing duo that's directed the most Disney feature animated films. And obviously they directed some of the most classic classics. Um, but Ron or I almost called him Ron. Do you want to tell the story about how they pitched this to Michael Eisner? Um, yeah, sure. Go ahead. What were you guys about to say? Well, uh, yeah. Here, hold on. So I'll say this first. So. John Musker apparently just uh, hadn't started directing yet. So you can definitely tell that, I mean, uh, that Ron Clements had, uh, was doing a good job with this movie. Uh, the direction is very good. As I said before, the movie is very well paced, very well structured, um, very well thought out. Um, so definitely his directing skills are 
not at the most classic yet. Uh, that'll come when John Musker also comes on too. Uh, you can also tell that John Musker also has a more overt sense of humor. Uh, like Ron Clements is, I think more in their personalities this is reflected too. Like uh, Ron Clements is more quiet and subtle um, with his sense of humor, whereas John Musker is more loud and lively and overt with uh, the way he puts gags and jokes in the movies. And you can definitely see that more when uh, we get to The Little Mermaid later, which definitely has a lot more humor sprinkled out through it. And uh, um, Aladdin, obviously. With, and that's also credited to Robin Williams as well. But there is an interesting tidbit about that that I'll uh, share in the Aladdin episode, which we're so close to. Um, and then also with Hercules and uh, Moana, Treasure Planet, um, you can tell that there's a little bit more of a sense of humor that is present in those movies. Um, so You forgot one. What? You forgot the movie that came out in 2009 that they directed. Oh, Princess and the Frog. I knew that I was forgetting one in the late 2000s. I was like, it seems like that's a long time from Treasure Planet to Moana. I was like, they, I feel like there's something in between. But yeah, Princess and the Frog as well, uh, definitely. And also they have some pretty great choices for composers because in this movie, the music, I would say, is quite good. Like, I was surprised watching it again. I was like, wow, this is some pretty good music. There's some nice music cues in here, and uh, some of the themes are pretty good. Um, it's just, like, it just, uh, and the, and the purpose of the, um, music is to elevate, um, the, uh, elevate the movie, elevate the scenes and, the uh, uh, emotions, not emotions, but, like, the feeling and the vibe and the tone of the movie, elevate them, uh, to where you're there with them emotionally, emotionally, yeah, you could say. Um, so I think that def the score definitely does its job, um... <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think the music definitely does its job. Like, it definitely gives, it sets the tone very well. It gives us this, like, fun, uh, jaunty, whimsical vibe to it it definitely sets the tone um for this like fun adventure that we're in like mystery that we're trying to solve uh to catch the evil radigan um uh, definitely sets the tone elevates the movie on a number of levels and actually fun fact about the music this is the composer um what's his name i always forget it's uh henry mancini i think is his, that's maybe that's how you pronounce it i don't know i'm terrible with pronunciation but this is actually his first animated film that he had done the score for. Um, and that might not seem too big of a deal. Animation, live action, same thing, who cares? Um, he first, actually, I think before this, he did the score for The Pink Panther, um, which was kind of some hand-drawn elements in there, I think, with some hand-drawn characters, kind of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, so this was his first time doing an animated film, and the reason that's a big deal is because he said that it was a little bit of a learning curve because uh, the pacing is so fast and the animation, everything moves a lot quicker um, and everything's a lot more like overt and in your face and like everything's like bam, bam, bam. Uh, so he had a little bit of a learning curve adjusting to uh, the pacing of an animated film as opposed to a live action film. Um, so that's what he said was the learning curve there. And so that's an interesting tidbit about that. But the score did turn out quite well and um, I was surprised watching it again how how 
great the score was. Um, so, like this song, there are a few songs in this movie, um, a few singing songs, like this one, the uh, Radigan song. And if you watch musicals, you can tell the song's about to start up. I could tell that when we were watching it. I was like, oh, he's about to start singing. So yeah, there's also that song. And then there's another one, and uh, there's Let Me Be Good To You, which is from the, the bar scene. Um, there's that one. So that one's fine, too. Uh, kind of catchy. Um, also, that's a good song. Um, so, I don't really have anything else to say. I think I've covered all the bases. We've covered all the aspects of this movie. Animation. Uh, the voice acting is also pretty good. Um, it's not anything like mind-blowing or spectacular. Or like, oh my goodness. Um, but I would say that the voice acting is good. And it, I mean, it, Vincent Price... Uh, as Radigan also, or obviously does a fantastic performance, um, definitely gets into the role. And all the voices are good. Um, it's a, it's a good voice cast. They definitely all do a good job. Um, so, that's, um, I think I've covered everything. Yeah, music, direction is good, story is good, animation is good, uh, new techniques being used here. We are so close, guys. We're right on the verge of the Renaissance. It's right there. I can almost feel it. All we have left is Oliver and Company, and then we're there. The Renaissance. I'm so excited. Why uh, do you make fun of Oliver and Company? That's a good movie. I don't know. It's like I don't. It's it's like it's so, better than this. Actually. No, I don't yes. think it's better than this. Yes, mm, this think. is good. This is good. I don't love it, but it's, I don't think it's great, but it's good. Oliver and Company's better. No, I don't really like Oliver and Company that much. You're disrespectful. I think this is. I think we're kind of like flip flopped on these movies. Like you don't like the Great Mouse Detective as much, but for whatever reason you like Oliver and Company more. And I don't uh, like Oliver and Company. Oliver as and much. Company is awesome, and this is good. Why is it awesome? Well, I mean not awesome, but it's a good movie, and I like it a lot. It's so not you, great. So okay. you like it better than the Great Mouse Detective? Yes. I question. Neither I put in the top in my top ten, or maybe. Oh no. Top twenty, but. I like it. I like both. Uh, I like them both, but Oliver Company's better. I'd I just wish that they would have made these humans. I kind of get annoyed whenever they do, like, whenever they take human characters and make them animals. Well, unless they get turned into animals with magic, which I let that slide. <laughs> but still, like, when they actually make them animals, like, they take human characters and make them animals for, like, the whole movie, it kind of gets on my nerve, and I'm just like, I honestly would rather see humans, honestly. Yes, so, um, what was I going to say? So... Uh, and this movie, I actually think that the clock tower sequence works, or looks better than the sequence in, next in Oliver and Company, where they're, like, dancing through the city, and they have, like, the sewer, uh, pipes moving by, and they have, like, they try to have, like, a city background behind them, but you can tell that it's just, like, 2D, and I think that this CG sequence looks better than the CG sequence in Oliver and Company, which you'll see it when we get to it. Uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's like in the beginning of the movie where they're dancing through the streets. Um, they go over like sewer pipe thingies and they're like, they do CG generated stuff and it does, I just don't think it looks as good as... Well, I'm excited for Oliver and Company. I know you're not, It'll but I'm excited fun. for it. 
But I mean, after that, guys, we're at the Renaissance. I don't know if I've said this before. I've probably said it a lot. But the Renaissance is my favorite era of Disney. So I'm so excited. We're almost there because it's just like all of these movies. None of a single one of them is bad in the Renaissance. Except for maybe Tarzan. I don't really like Tarzan. I don't like Tarzan much yeah, either. Yeah, I don't honestly. really like Tarzan that Ooh, much. Did we say that? <laughs> yes, we did. We'll get Ooh, to it. That's a little We teaser. get there when we get there. Oh, my goodness. It's been no so long. way! Oh, it's been like years since we. Why did we drop? I thought we dropped that. No, we will continue. I promise. It's a catchphrase. It's our catchphrase. I think phrase. I said at the beginning of season five that if we didn't say it in a certain episode. Well, we already we wrote that within like. Yeah, a few then like we would have to end the podcast. But obviously that isn't happening. Um, we just probably have forgotten about that. So, um, anyway, that's our thoughts on Great Mouse Detective. Hope you enjoyed, Jake. Close us out. Well, we have to rate it first. Oh yeah. Oh right. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's go. Great mess detective. I'd probably give it about a five. Yeah, I'd give it a, a 6.5, probably. Oh, wow. Yes, 6.5, definitely. Excuse me. All right. So without further ado, that's our show. Peace. Okay. That's our show. No, that's not working. Okay. You know what is that from? Let me start over. So thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed. Don't forget to go watch Eli at Holy Jesus Enterprises. Watch me at JDHV as well as Minecraft Madness, Holy Jesus Gaming, and the, Major YouTube, and the Movie Majors YouTube channel, which never gets <laughs> content anymore. So be sure to go subscribe to those. And you should keep listening to this podcast. Check out the X-Files podcast that I have with Eli Spencer, which we should be coming out with up each Saturday. Assuming we can post on time. And that's our show. See you next time, everybody. Do, 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 do. What is that from? I don't know.